We are wrapping up our series on Built to Last. And as you know, we've been every week looking at a commitment, right? Seven commitments that if you build these into your life, you will have a family that is built to last. And so what I wanted to do since this is the last installment in that series is just kind of recap for a minute what we've learned so far. So I'm going to put those commitments up on the screen. And this is kind of what we've already studied so far. We've talked about the commitment to build a solid spiritual foundation, that that's where it all begins. And then honoring one another, then cultivating tender love uh, toward one another. Then then we talked about how we talk differently and, and we the importance of encouragement. Then we looked at, then on top of that, how to resolve conflict, restore relationships. And then, of course, last week we talked about creating a culture of forgiveness. Now, here's what I want you to notice, that all of those actually build on top of each other. We started with the biblical foundation, then the principle of honor, because only once you honor can you cultivate tender love. And then when you cultivate tender love, that flows into how you speak to one another. You see that? And then when you have those things down, then when it comes to resolving conflict and forgiveness, Forgiveness, these, comes much, these come much easier because you already have the foundations underneath you. And so all of these are kind of building on top of each other. Now, when you look at that list, I don't know about you, but I know when I look at that list, I think, whew, all right, there's some things that, that I need to work on, all right? There's an opportunity for improvement is how we say it. Well, I got a lot of opportunity to improve but in order for, for me to improve, some things are going to have to, what? Change. That's right. Everybody just say the word change. One, two, three. Change is hard, is it not? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, because we kind of get in our ruts of how we talk to each other and how we handle conflict and what we do. We're just kind of in our ruts. This is how it's always been for us. But you will never get to the point of growing in your family and in your marriage unless there is change. I was talking with a friend of mine who was out in his front yard and a neighbor walked by and he told me the story. The neighbor walked by and uh, she was commenting on all the improvements he's done in his house. She goes, wow, I love what you've done to the place. It looks fantastic. Then she made this comment. She said, you know what? We need to either remodel or move. She said, but remodeling is so hard. It may just be easier to move, right? Now, it's true. If you've ever done a remodel project, you know how discombobulating, that's a Greek word, discombobulating, uh, that, that is, right? It's hard uh, to, to remodel. And it's a lot easier just to move. But here's the deal. It's much more expensive to move, right? Especially in today's climate. And there are a lot of people that feel that way about their marriage. You know, well, you know, it's just so hard to change. It'd be so much easier if I just started over again. But here's what I want you to understand. God wants to change your home. He wants to grow and change your marriage. And that's really what leads us to this Commitment number seven, this last commitment. I want to put it up there on the screen. Here it is. Families that are built to last rely on God's power to grow and change. If you're really wanting to have a family that goes the distance, you're going to have to constantly be open for God to grow you and to change you, especially through every season of your life. Let me ask you something. Are you growing in your marriage? Are you 
growing in, as a parent? Are you growing in your relationships? Is your family growing and changing and becoming more and more like Jesus? Listen, that's, that's what God wants for you. The program he's got you on is to constantly be changing you more and more to where you look more and more like Jesus. That's what he wants for you. This is all the way through the Bible. In fact, in Revelation 21, Jesus said this, behold, I'm making everything new. He's constantly renewing us. He says the same thing in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, any person is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come, right? Uh, again, he says that in Romans 8, 29, those he foreknew, he also uh, predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. You're, you're just constantly in this changing process where God is making you more and more and more like Christ. That's, that's God's plan for you, right? That's God's plan uh, for me, and that's God's plan for our family. And so how do, you, how do you do that? How do you actually change? That's a really important question, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. So get your Bible, open it up, to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to land today, Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16, starting at verse 16. And the uh, title of the message today is The Power to Change. The Power to Change. You know, the Galatians, uh, churches there in Galatia, the area, region of Galatia, Paul was writing to them, and they were having some conflict. They were being kind of led astray by some bad doctrine. They were having some conflict within their church. And so he's writing to them about how to change. What is the power we have to really change uh, in ourselves and in our families? So that's where we're going to pick up with verse 16. If you're with me, say amen. All right, this is the word of God. I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. Now stop right there for just a minute. I want you to circle the word spirit. Now, who is he talking about here? He says, walk by the spirit. Who's he talking about? He's talking here about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the third person of the Trinity, the third uh, member of the Godhead, uh, the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. Jesus talked often about the Holy Spirit. And we don't have time to really survey uh, how Jesus modeled for us how to walk by the Spirit. But Jesus talked often about the Holy Spirit. In fact, in John 14, verse 26, Jesus called the Holy Spirit our helper. Now, why is he called our helper? Because he helps us. Well, in what way does he help us? Well, he helps us predominantly in how we change. The, one of the key functions of the Holy Spirit is that he changes us from the inside out. When, when we come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And then through his work in us, he convicts us of things that need to change. He uh, gives us new desires to change. He actually empowers us to overcome the things of our past so that we actually can change. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The, the theological term for this is sanctification, all right? It's an ongoing process by which we are changed more and more and more into the likeness of Jesus, to look more and more like Jesus, to have the same attitudes and actions, and behaviors and desires like Jesus. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's changing you. Now listen, if, 
if there's going to be change in your family, then it has to start with change in, in you, right? First service, I said, point to the person that needs to change, but I was afraid that the fingers were going to go this way, all right? What I really meant for you to do is to struggle to put it right here, because unless it starts here, are you with me? Unless it starts here, there's never going to be change in your family. So today's message is not about how you change your spouse. It's about how God wants to change you, wants to change you on the inside. And uh, that's the work and the role of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you're going to remodel a house, the uh, first thing you do is you find a contractor that knows what he's doing, all right? Because in our house, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll just make it worse and then we'll pay more money uh, to fix that, right? So I got to find somebody that knows what they're doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for references. I want to see a track record of their, their experience in renovations. Well, let me ask you something. Does God have experience in changing people? Yes or no? Yes. He's got a long track record of changing people. He's changed people in the past. He's changing people now. And he can change you. And he can change your family. And we're going to look at how he does that uh, right now. But here's the big problem. While God wants to change and the Holy Spirit came to change you and to empower you to change, there's a problem. And we see that problem in verse 17. Look at verse 17. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, what's he saying? There's a battle. You say, don't I know that? There's a battle every day in my house. I mean, we're constantly fighting each other and constantly fighting the kids. Man, it's World War III at our house every single day. I'm not talking about the battle around you. I'm talking about the battle in you. There's a battle in you that is preventing you from changing to become more who God wants you to be. There's a battle within you. Well, what are you talking about? Well, there are these forces that are colliding. One force is called the flesh. What is the flesh? It's your natural sinful tendencies, all right? It's your natural sinful tendencies. Even though you've come to faith in Christ, you still got this flesh hanging on. One day we're gonna be in heaven and we're not gonna have that. That's a great spot for an amen, all right? Man, we're not going to deal with that one day. But now, while we're on this planet, we got to deal with our flesh. And we have these natural tendencies, our pride, right? Our anger, it's our unforgiveness, it's our selfishness. It's all these things that we have and the baggage that we bring with us that often drags us down and hurts our families. And he said it's the battle against your flesh and then the Spirit of God who comes to live within you at the moment that you're saved. And these two are constantly battling. It is a the Spirit of God convicts you of something that's wrong, but the flesh resists it. No, you're all right. You're all right. You just keep going the way you are, right? Or, or the flesh wants to do something. The Holy Spirit's restraining. No, no, don't say that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't look at that. And so there's this constant back and forth. And he said in verse 17, that's why you don't do what you want. I mean, you want to have a great marriage. You want to be a great husband. You want to be a great wife. You want to be an awesome parent. But yet you can't get there because of this battle that's happening in you. Paul talked about this in Romans uh, 7. Verse 18, he said, I don't do what is right. 
I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't do what is, uh, I don't do, uh, I don't want to do what is wrong, <laughs> if I could read it. <laughs> I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Can anybody relate to that? Right, listen, how, honesty time in church. How many times have you sat there hearing a message and you think, oh, I, I, that, that needs to go. I need to change that. That was so wrong of me. And, and you're so committed in your seat to changing. And then you get in the car and then you're right back to where you were before, right? Are you, it, you're that, that afternoon, you are right back to the pattern. Why is it that we can't seem to get off this uh, gerbil wheel and we never really make any progress in our life? It's because there's this battle going on. This battle is, is constantly waging war in you. I think about it like this. I've given this illustration before, but I think it's pertinent. You know, there's this thing called gravity, right? It's constantly pulling us down, this force that pulls us down to the ground. We know it's true. We see it all the time. And yet, if you go out to the airport, DFW airport over here, you can see these big planes flying in. And it looks like they just hover in the air, you know, and then they land and they take off again. How is it that these big monstrous structures can just not fall out of the sky? Well, because while there is, yes, this force of gravity, there's other forces at play that allow this plane to fly of, of, of speed and force and lift and all these aerodynamics that allow to overcome gravity that can fly you out to Chicago and back uh, safely. Now, he, now, here's what I need you to understand. There is this force of gravity constantly pulling at your family. It is the force of your sinful nature, your flesh it's constantly there, constantly, you feel it. But there is a power greater than your flesh. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit that comes into your life when you give your life to Christ that has the power to overcome your flesh and to take your relationship and your family to new levels. You understand that? That's what Paul is talking about here. This is the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God through his spirit to change you. So how do you change? How do you change? Yeah, the problem is the battle within me, but how do I change? You know, it's interesting that I think God gives us a recipe for change back in the Old Testament. Jeremiah was a prophet uh, sent to a wayward nation of Israel, and he gives Jeremiah a recipe for change. This is what he said, it's kind of odd, but I, I think you're going to see it here. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. He said, see today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. See that? Basically, what he's saying is this. If something's going to change, two things have to happen. Something's got to be uprooted and something has to be planted. Something has to be torn down and something has to be built up. Something has to be torn out, and something has to be built in. See, see that? And, and if you are going to remodel a house, you know that's to be true. There's a demo phase, and then there's the rebuilding phase. And that's how change happens in you. Now, Paul is going to give us here what needs to be torn out. So look at it in verse 19. He said, now the works of the flesh are obvious. We don't have to wonder what the works of the flesh are. 
sexual immorality, immora, uh, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, faction, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you look at that list, it's a pretty sobering list, isn't it? This really is where your flesh takes you. You could divide it into three different categories. There's sin against yourself, there's sin against God, and sin against others. The first three are sins, sexual sins against yourself. He, say, he talks about immorality there, sexual immorality. This is the word pornea from which we get the word pornography from. It means any sexual expression outside of the bounds of, of a godly marriage between a man and a woman. That's what it means. And he said, any kind of sexual immorality like this is a sin against yourself. The very next word is, is just kind of reiterating the same point, moral impurity. You know the word catharsis means to cleanse or to purify yourself. This is anti-catharsis. This is to pollute yourself. This is a self-polluting of, of immorality in your life. Uh, again, the next word is promiscuity, same basic uh, idea here that this is a sin against your own self. Then he turns from that, he talks about sins against God. He talks about idolatry and sorcery. Interesting, the word pharmakeia is the word for sorcery, translated sorcery here, because oftentimes sorcery used um, some kind of drug to, to bring you into some kind of higher state. And then ultimately, it gets to conflict among other people. Look at it, hatreds, that is plural, all kinds of hatred, all kinds of strife and jealousy and anger and selfishness. Now, when you look at that list, it'd be easy to look at that list and go, wow, that's not me, man, that's not us. You know, I don't have that problem in my marriage. I mean, we don't have like little idols, you know, in our house. And, you know, we don't have any sorcery going on. And, you know, we're not doing all these terrible things. We're, we're good. Look closer. Lean into it. There's no strife in your home. There's no selfishness in your home. There's no division. There's no anger, no outburst of anger in your home. There's not allowing any sexual immorality into your home. Any drunkenness in your home. See what I'm saying? These are the very things that corrode the very fabric of your family. This is, these are the acts of the flesh that this is the gravitational pull that pulls everything down. So what do we do with this? You got to get it out. You got to remove it. You got to tear this stuff out and drag it to the curb, right? Uh, we had some trees removed from our uh, backyard a couple of weeks ago, and I remember watching these guys working. Man, they, they had a lot of great equipment. They were super fast, chop, chop, chop to get the thing down. And then I noticed how they were pulling up the stumps. And I remember seeing this one guy on his knees, and he has an axe, and he's just chopping away at these, at these roots, and he's pulling on them, and they're getting on, they're digging up, they're ripping up these trees. And, and I got this mental image. That's what Paul is talking about here. Some of this stuff, you got to 
just take an ax to it. You gotta, you gotta dig out the roots of selfishness or ungodliness or some things, some patterns you've allowed to grow and to take root in your family. These things have gotta be uprooted if you're ever gonna see change. And you know what those things are. What are you talking about? I don't know what those things are. Yeah, you do. Because the Holy Spirit right now is putting his finger on it. Right now he's going, you know what? That, that needs to go. That attitude, what you did, you know, back there, that needs to change. This anger here, what you're watching over there, that, that's got to, you're never gonna move forward until these things are pulled out. Paul said the first thing that happens in change is that you've got to identify these, these acts of the flesh. And to be honest with God and, and not excuse it. And I go, well, you know, that's not so bad or minimize it, but just to, to say, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person anymore. And if my family's going to change, then I have to change. Change starts with me. The second thing you've got to do in order to change is you've got to build some things in, right? So he's already shown us what needs to come out, and then he talks about how to build things in. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is, of course, in contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. After the demo phase, there's a building phase. And after these things are starting to be drug out to the curb, now the Holy Spirit can begin to build some things in. And just like a contractor brings good stuff in to your home to make it beautiful, the Holy Spirit has some good things he wants to bring into you, some things he wants to resurrect. You know, you might look at that and go, man, love left a long time ago. Peace left a long time ago. We haven't been joyful in our home in a long time. But you know what? The Holy Spirit can resurrect those things. He can pour them anew and afresh into your home. I've seen him do it. Imagine what it would be like if you had a, a new, fresh uh, abundance of these things in your home. What, what would it be like if you had more love in your home? More joy, more peace. What would it be like if you had more patience? more kindness, more gentleness? What would it be like if there was more faithfulness or more self-control? Those are the things that only the Holy Spirit can bring. Only he can give you the power to live this way. I have a friend of mine that I was talking to this week that really has experienced this in a pretty dramatic way in his family. Uh, he married, had, you know, several kids. Everything from the outside looked great. He was being successful at work. Uh, they had a great home. They had everything that would communicate to you that they had life by the tail. But things were not good. He was throwing himself into work and into alcohol. His father was an alcoholic, and he was quickly moving in that same direction. And while everybody thought that it was good on the outside, internally in his family, everything was unraveling. His marriage was becoming increasingly distant and tense. 
Kids were walking around in eggshells all the time. Finally, he came home one day to find that his wife had left and taken the children with him and he was in the house all by himself. And he said at that moment, he realized that he couldn't fake it anymore. He said, I realized that it's like the cover had been taken off and it was exposed, that things were not good. And he said, I, I just couldn't keep faking it and keep covering it and explaining to myself how everything was okay and, and, and justifying my behavior and justifying how my family was. He said, I finally just had to deal with it. And he said, and that was the moment, that crisis was the moment of change for him. He said, at that moment, I really got on my knees before God and I realized that something had to change in me if our family was ever going to get to a healthy place. He said, Craig, I'd grown up in church. I mean, I knew uh, the Bible. I understood the gospel, but I never surrendered myself to Christ. I never submitted myself to Christ. And he said, in that moment, I realized that it was either submit to Christ or I'm going to go to the grave being the man that I hated being. It was one or the other. And he said, that's when change started to happen. Not when my family changed, but when I started to change. And he said, I had to admit uh, the areas that I allowed, the, the roots that I allowed to grow in my home and ask God to uproot them and drag them out. And I had to take seriously some of these things that I brought in to the home and I caused and the pain that followed. In fact, he said at one point, and I'm quoting him, he said, it's difficult to admit when you haven't been doing things right, end quote. Isn't that true? It's just humbling to say, you know, I've, I've, I've not been a good dad, I've not been a good husband. And he said, I just humbled myself before, my, before God and then before my wife and my children. And then he said, I learned that this, this pain could not just be fixed. You know, guys like, I don't know if y'all know this, guys just like to fix stuff, right? And we like to fix it quickly right? Just do three, three steps, pop, 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 and then we're all good, right? I go to work and I fix stuff. I go here, surely I can just fix this. And he said, I realized that I could not fix this. There was no quick fix. But what it required is me every day submitting myself to God and asking God to take out the things in my life that don't please him and fill me with the things that do please him. And he said, it was like taking baby steps of every day asking God to change me. But here's the good news. God did change him. And God is changing him. You see, we're never, we're never arrived, right? So he's in this process. But along the way, his wife saw the difference in him. And his kids saw the difference in him. He said to me one time, he's like, they got two different dads. Like the dad before Jesus and the dad after Jesus. I mean, I'm a different person. I, I handle myself differently. I'm, I'm more honest and open with my failures. I'm more quick to ask for forgiveness. I'm more yielded for God's spirit to change me. Listen, what's it gonna take for that to happen in your life? Is it gonna take a crisis? Is it gonna take your family leaving, or is it gonna take some horrible thing to get your attention? Why, isn't it time now to begin that process, to say, God, see what's happening in me. God, what needs to change in me? God, drag these things out of me that are hurting me and my family. And God, fill me with your spirit to live differently.
Paul really kind of shrinks it down in these last couple of verses. Look at verse 24 and 25. We're closing up now. This is probably here, the, everything I've said, he says it now condensed in two verses. He said, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Right there is a recipe for change. Underline the words uh, belong to Christ. That's where it starts. Do you belong to Christ? My friend, he had to come to a point of real submission to God. I didn't ask you if you grew up in church. I didn't ask you if you believe the Bible. I'm asking you, are you saved? Have you really had a born again experience? Have you been changed in such a way that you can say, this is what I'm like today. That's what I used to be like. Has Christ come into your life? And if you don't know, that's where you start. Do you belong to Christ? That's when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. That's when the power to change comes to take residence in your life. Do you know Jesus? Then the second thing he mentions here is if you do, then you're crucifying the flesh. Crucifixion means death, right? So I'm, I'm putting to death these fleshly desires. I'm not feeding them. I'm not encouraging them. I'm not excusing them or minimizing them. I'm saying, God, take this out of me. I want to die to these things. I, I, I want to die to this anger. I want to die to this selfishness, God. Crucify it. Get it out of my life. And then the third element, he says, is if you live by the Spirit, then you'll keep in step with the Spirit. That is the day by day, walk by the Spirit. Walk is one step at a time, right? That's how you walk. It's why it's called the Christian walk. Is that every day I take a step and I say, Lord, I confess the things that are not right. God, I ask you to fill me with your spirit so I can reflect this fruit of your spirit, this love, joy, peace to my family. Lord, change me. That's how change is done. A day at a time, a moment at a time, a step at a time. But God's power is able to change you. I guarantee it. In fact, I'll close with this, this one verse. It's really a promise. 2 Peter 1.3 says this. By his divine power, that is the power that comes to us by his Holy Spirit. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Isn't that great? God has given you everything you need. Everything you need to change. He's provided for you in Christ by his spirit. And he will change you if you rely on him. I want you to bow your head with me for a moment. We're about to take the Lord's uh, table together. And so if you did not get um, the cup and the bread coming in, if you would just raise your hand and leave your hand up. If you will leave it up there, then we will get it to you. Just keep, keep it up there so that people can see. Just while you're with your head down, let me just ask you something. What is it that God wants to change in you? Right now, just ask the Holy Spirit. Pray, pray a very dangerous prayer. And that is, Lord, what do you want to change in me? What do you want to change in me?
Is he pointing it out? Now that you know what he wants to change, why don't you just confess that to him? Say, Lord, I, I confess that this is my flesh working. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that woman. I don't want to be that person. And right now, ask him to forgive you. Lord, forgive me for this area in my life that I've allowed to take root in my home and my family. Now ask the Holy Spirit to bring change in you, real change. Ask him to take away these things of the, your flesh and replace it with things of the Spirit. Say, Lord, I surrender all that I am to you right now. On the night that Jesus died, he met with his disciples and he took a piece of bread. Why don't you take that bread out? And he said, this bread represents my body that is soon to be broken for you. The reason why Jesus went to the cross was to pay for your sin, to pay the penalty for your sin. But the reason Jesus rose from the grave was to give you the power to overcome that sin in your life and to change. And so when we take this piece of bread, we're acknowledging that our only source of power to change comes from Jesus, who gives us his spirit. And it's a reminder that this is what he died for so that you could experience that life that he created you for, to glorify God in yourself and in your home. So Lord, we remember and we thank you now and we receive it in Jesus' name. Let's take it together. And then he took the cup, this cup of blessing, this cup of forgiveness. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And as often as you drink this, you remember that it is my blood, my sacrifice that washes you clean. And because of his cleansing, forgiving work in our life, we can live a new life. Lord, thank you for your blood and your forgiveness for us. We receive it in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for your love for us. And Lord, there's a lot that needs to change in our families, in our marriage. Every season brings its burden and its blessing. Every season there's an opportunity to change. And Lord, we know that change just doesn't need to happen in other people around us. It needs to happen in us. And we feel that struggle. We feel that battle within us, God. But Lord, I pray that you would 
pull up the things that have been rooted in us that hold us back. Lord, convict us of it. Help us to confess it to you, God. And Lord, I pray that you would build by the work of your Holy Spirit in our heart increasing amounts of love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Make us more and more like Jesus. Lord, I ask that you do this so that we can be a mirror that reflects you in our marriage, in our family, that we can be a mirror that brightly reflects you to a world that desperately needs you. So Lord, we submit ourselves to you and we choose as we go out of this building to walk in the spirit this week, to be quick to confess our sin and and quick to ask you to lead and direct our lives that we would keep in step with you and where you're going in our life. Lord, we love you. We surrender to you now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 